0: Praise the Lord. I've been teaching you for the last three Sundays on how the Holy Spirit is our teacher. I'm going to continue this teaching on the Holy Spirit, but with emphasis on us being a disciple of Christ. And today we're going to learn how it is natural for us to have a hunger for Jesus Christ and a faith, because He gives us faith and a love, not earthly love, but a love towards a brethren and a love towards him and how it is natural. That is a sign of a true disciple of Christ. Jesus said, make disciples, not believers, not converts, make disciples. If you go to Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Again, believers, yes, you have to believe. But after believe, you pay the price to be a disciple. What is the price? It's to put away your agenda and take on God's purposes and plans. See, everybody loves Jesus. Even you if you ask someone from another religion, they love Jesus. There are some religions. That pretend to know Jesus even better than Christianity. But does that make you a true disciple of Jesus Christ? How do you know? I can tell you 10 points, 20 points, 30 points. They're good to tick off. They're good to understand. But you need to check your heart. Are you a true disciple of Jesus Christ? I found that I want to be, but I'm not there yet. But I keep trying. And that is okay with God. But I keep my eyes on the things above. Not on the things on the earth. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? Everybody says they do. But then in John 14, 15 it says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Jesus said that. How can you love him and not obey his commandments? Something is wrong somewhere. Something is not true. So, is this love duplicate fake? You won't expect that from your spouse. God wants truth in our inner being. And our Lord Jesus Christ is expecting you and me to be faithful while he's gone. So let's go to Luke 19. And I'm reading from verse 11 onwards. Now, as I heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he, that is Jesus, he, therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Suppose Rome was ruling over the whole of earth, which at that time of Jesus in his place, Rome was the ruling. Kingdom, And if you wanted authority to rule over Inaugulum district. Suppose I am the rightful heir for Inaugulum district. How do I prove that to you? A certificate. Where do I get that from? From Caesar. Where is Caesar? In Rome. So I have to travel to Rome, get that certificate, come back. And that is my authority. And where is Jesus' certificate? You find that in Revelation Chapter 5, he opens the seal. He's, he's the only one found worthy to open the seal of the earth. And when he opens the seal, there were judgments. Did you understand? Yes? So, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. That means he's going to get a kingdom. Yes? And he's going to return. So, he called 10 of his servants. They're part of the, his household and delivered unto them ten minors. And he said to them, Do business till I come. So he gave them what is needed to do business. Like that, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Where do you find that? In Ephesians 1.3. And if you say, I don't have it, I don't have. God says, pray. Get it from heaven into earth. Bring it from the spiritual into the natural. Do you understand? This principle, the Lord is my shepherd, you shall not lack. Do you understand? Having your pastor on Spree dial is not the answer. It's your relationship with the Lord. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Servants are trying to enforce the Lord's law, but a citizen saying not. Nah. We don't want this. So what they do, they send a delegation saying, we don't want this guy. Isn't that exactly what the world is doing? Where are you in this? And verse 15 says, and so it was when he returned, having received his kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Judgment starts in the house of God. If it was me, I would have taken care of the citizens and I would have punished them for not listening to me. But here it is exact opposite of that. He went to his own house to whom he had given his money They said, "Okay, what have you done with that? With the money I have given, you can read more later. If you have found faithful little, you will be faithful with many. Don't expect." Magical, miraculous thing. Oh, that's okay. You're, you can, This is not. This is Kaliwali. You're doing whatever, and then expect God to reward you. No, if you're faithful little, you're faithful many. Then came the first saying, Master, your miner has heard ten miners, and he said to him, "Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a little, I have authority over ten cities. I think they're literal cities." Because we are called to reign and rule with Christ. And verse 18 says, And the second came saying, Master, your minor has earned five minors. Likewise, he said to him, Therefore, also be over five cities. The master doesn't condemn him. Be faithful with what is being given to you. What is in your hand. Basically, this passage talks about the faithfulness that Jesus requires from those who belong to him. You can love him all you want, but are you doing what he wants you to do? So those who belong to him is given a task between his first coming and his second coming. That is now. And we walk by faith, because you don't see that, not by sight. Do you understand? Yes? So there is a traveling to receive the rights for a kingdom and then a return to reign. Right now, Jesus is doing the traveling. In John 14, 1 onwards, he says, No, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Trust also in God. Yes, for I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Do you understand? Continues. Do you understand? Yes, Jesus is coming back. What are you doing with your life? In this particular parable, the nobleman represents Jesus. And his going to a distant country represents him going to heaven. Are you clear about that? Yes. Jesus is the one who is going to go to a distant country and receive a kingdom for himself and then return. We are to be responsible stewards of what he has given to us. You say you are a disciple of Christ? Then be a responsible steward and be at work for him while he is gone. There are three signs. When I was young, I'm still young. When I go to the doctor, first thing he asks is, how is your appetite? Now he takes a look at me and says, no, I'm not going to ask that question. Yes. But the hunger that we have is a sign of life. No one had to tell me to read the word through his Bible, his word, when I was born again. All that Bible reading plants, all that is good. Don't let it become a chore. When I was engaged to Anu, no one had to tell me to be in contact with her because she called me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> no, But what I'm saying is that, that is love. Do you understand? Do you have that true love? Then obey His commandments. What is faith? The Holy Spirit gives us an inner knowing that we belong to Jesus. Is the author of our faith. Yes? We receive a God-given faith. We don't have to convince ourselves that it is real. That is why I don't get into arguments. If people don't think it's real, and if the Holy Spirit is not convincing them, what can I do? Do they know enough to talk about the real Jesus? Are they a disciple of Christ? If there's a doubt, an area, the Lord will settle that. And we speak the truth in love. But we must have faith. A measure of faith. God puts a measure of faith in our life at salvation. Understand this carefully. And immediately know He's our God. This is the faith I've been talking about where you know Lord Jesus is the Savior of your soul. This is the abiding faith, yes? And that abiding faith causes you to have a fruit of that faith. If you have faith, it'll come out. Then you have a gift of faith. This type of faith is different because it is not for your relationship with God. Instead, the gift of faith is for ministry to others. Every gift for ministry comes under the empowering anointing. Again, I'm trying to make you understand the difference between both anointings inward and for ministry, yes. Now we come to love. The third thing that comes alive at salvation is, the, is that the Holy Spirit gives us a love for the Lord Jesus like we have never known. Today during worship, I was filled with this love. Nobody had to give it to me. I didn't find it in a jar or peanut butter or jam or jelly or whatever. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit gave me that love a desire to know the Lord a desire to walk with Him a desire to serve Him this is love and that causes you to be holy like I said when I got saved no one had to tell me to read the Bible the moment that oneness took place between the Lord Jesus and I I had a desire to know Him this love leads to hunger and this Hunger leads to fellowship and a relationship. You can't fake it. Go to Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I can tell you all about the recipes that I cooked in Switzerland. You can watch about it on TV, but it'll do you no good, especially if you're hungry. And it'll do you no good. Reading about it, understand me very clearly, than someone who makes it for you, and then you can taste and see that. Ah, huh. okay, this is good. That's good. Do you understand? This is what a veal sirloin is supposed to taste like. Earlier, when I used to order burger in Kochin, they used to give me meat patties with cabbage on top. I said, "What are you doing? Why are you putting cabbage?" Then later, I understood, cabbage. Looks like lettuce. It's not a substitute for lettuce. At that time, it was very difficult to find lettuce. So, to an Indian who grew up with that, a burger is made out of cabbage and little meat. Nonsense. It's not a cabbage patch burger, yeah? That gives my easy But again, go to Psalm 103, verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses... And his acts to the children of Israel. What do you want to be? Do you want to know his God's ways? What he's going to do? Or his acts? Oh, he's done that. See, the problem is, if you know the word by heart and the Bible, all you know is the acts of God. You need to have a relationship with the Lord to know his ways. Because the Pharisees excelled at knowing The acts of God. And according to the word of God, if you were caught in adultery, what happened to you? You were stoned to death. And they brought such a woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus. And here's what Jesus did. He not only knew the acts, but he knew God's ways. Remember, the devil tried to tempt him with this. The word says this, so jump. But God knew the heart of God. Yes, Jesus knew the heart of God, yes? He known, made known his ways to Moses. So the woman caught in adultery in John 8. Go to John 8, 11. So Jesus asked her, like a lot of people were condemning her. He said, okay, he who has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. So they are left one by one, yes? That itself is a miracle. But the anointing does that. And then Jesus looks up at the woman and says, well, where are those people who condemn you? Says so they are all left. She said, no, no no one condemns me. No one, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is the heart of God. If he had just known the ways, and if he had just known the Bible, the Old Testament I'm talking about, he would have killed that woman. Are you clear what I'm saying? So this account, this whole incident, demonstrates why you must develop your relationship with the Lord before developing a relationship with His Word. I'll say that again. Develop a relationship with the Lord. Understand who He is before developing a relationship with His Word. That is how it was for me. The Lord appeared to me. There was a deep hunger for Him. I didn't fill myself up with seven versions of the Bible and then got to know Jesus. No, that's foolishness. All I'll get to know is the false Jesus. I'll say that again. Develop a relationship with the Lord before you develop a relationship with his word. This word is important. I'm not denying that at all. But like I explained last year, what is the crucial, what is the pivotal event? His death and resurrection on the cross. Without that, what is the word? Am I clear on what I'm saying? Yes? So... You must develop your relationship with the Lord before developing a relationship with His Word. This is how important it is. Otherwise, there is no balance. Fellowship with God is the foundation of life and ministry. How do you know what you you have to do? You just do it because you see other people do it? Or you see somebody on television? Or you feel you ought to do it? How do you know not to do it and take rest? That's why fellowship with God is a foundation of life and ministry. Then on top of that, you develop your relationship with his word. Deep hunger for his word. I am not entertained by the world, but by the word. Your hunger for him leads you to his word. Not the other way around. Overcomers in the church. No matter where you are, whatever happens, I where look at, to the Lord. Yes, where does my help come from? From the Lord. Yes, Jesus is telling the overcomer in the church, "I will give you power over nations. I will give you power of because He's coming back and He's going to rule. Do you understand? Jesus is going to actually share." His kingdom reign over the nations with the overcomer. Put to Revelation 3.21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is talking about his earthly throne, his Davidic throne. He already has a throne in heaven, but that heaven is going to come to earth in the form of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying. That is Jesus' David, David uh, Davidic throne. Go to Hebrews 10, 12 to 13. But this man, he's talking about Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. So Jesus is now there sitting at the right hand of God. Yes? So go to Luke 1.32. This is a prophecy to Mary. It says, He will be great. He is Jesus. And he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Earthly father. Descendant. That father means descendant of David. So the earthly throne is of David. You clear on that, Yes. Jesus overcame and he sat with God. What are you doing? Jesus said, follow me, overcome him. And Bible calls that victorious. Go to 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we shall also reign with them. If we deny him, he will also deny us. The apostle Paul is saying that to Timothy. This is very similar to the messages that Jesus had in to the overcomer in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. So this age, the age where he's away and he's returning soon, is the age for enduring. This is the age for perseverance. Don't get me wrong. This is not an age to suffer. Jesus, the Lord has not given you suffering. A ring, if you wear is a wedding ring, yes? But not suffering. You understand what I'm saying, yes? But this age is for enduring. Hold on to your faith. How can you have real faith? Jesus is the answer, yes? This age is the age of perseverance. This is the age of pushing on in difficult times. And that's where iron sharpens iron. Do you understand? You push on without discounting the miracles of God. Paul said, one thing I do, that I do is italicize. I've gone through this, but I press towards my higher calling. Push on. The reward is we endure. What is the reward? When I first met Anshu, I said to her, I am not doing all this for free. She immediately grabbed her person. I think she was planning to put it away from me. No, there's a reward that is not monetary. One of that thing I consider a reward is that we will reign with them. So be found faithful. Do you understand? Yes? Christians who hold on to their faith are going to face difficult times in this world, in this age that we live. Have no doubt about that. The Bible says that. If we want to live godly life, we will suffer what? Persecutions. Yes? But... One of the motivations is that we're going to reign with Christ in the future. And the empowerment comes from the teacher who is the Holy Spirit, who teaches us to overcome. Jesus himself said, don't worry about tomorrow. Think about the trouble that you have today. That's enough. But what is the trouble that you have today? You're not called called to go through them, but overcome them with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So be found faithful. Let's go to Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So be faithful. I'll continue this teaching on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the truth that you know will set you free. This is not to condemn you, but to encourage you and to make you grow into Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him.